0: I'll be talking about Saturn, which is from the album, technically, Songs in the Key of Life, although, of course, this is the opening track for the A Something's Extra EP, uh, following on from <laughs> the final track of the album proper, uh, which was an eight and a half minute disco song called End of the Star. <laughs> um, so which is I, I mean, I, I don't know if Stevie just didn't want that to be the final track of the album and he decided he should really put another four out there um so this is the opening of the final four tracks uh, released on the 28th of september 1976 uh, and included as like an insert in the double album so stevie was giving people value for money here um on the track we have got um stevie's band at the time mike Sembello on lead guitar ben bridges on rhythm guitar uh gregory philanganges i can never know how to say that name on keyboard and then of course stevie wonder on everything else including drums Um, And the song was actually co-written by Mike Sembello and Stevie Wonder. Mike Sembello himself, uh, I think at the time of this album, was only 17. Uh, So he was a prodigy himself. Uh, He might have been 18 by the time the album came out. uh, And he kind of had played guitar uh, for most of this album, and I think on one or two tracks on the previous album. Um, And then he would kind of work with Stevie for the next few years and then go on to be a successful kind of session musician uh, himself and then play in a few bands and... You know, he's still going today.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, oh, uh, sorry, you haven't introduced me yet, Darren. <laughs> I wasn't too sure whether, the, whether to jump in or not there. Uh, I will say the track is five, 4 minutes 54,
0: and joining me to talk about today is Nell McGowan. Hello, Nell.
1: Oh, hi. Hi hi again, Darren. Um, sorry to interrupt there, but no, I was just exceptionally excited to see Mike Zambella, because I was like, Maniac Mike Zambella? Like, oh my God, like the same guy. Because I don't know, apparently it wasn't a hit in um, the UK, but in Ireland when I was growing up there was a remix of Maniac by Mike Sambello, which I believe he also performed on, but it was done by a DJ called Mark McCabe. And at the time it was the second highest selling record in Ireland of all time. And it is atrocious. But it's just <laughs> it's just one of those like late nineties acid house kinda of like but with just an Irish DJ shouting and like, She was out all night. She was up for a fight. Oh yeah, yeah, funky, yeah And then occasionally you just get she's a maniac, maniac and she's dancing, and it's one of those things. It's like how how was this ever a hit anywhere? How was it the second biggest selling record of all time in Ireland for quite a few <laughs> years? But uh, so every time uh, I see Mike Sumbel's name pop up, I'm like, oh, that guy. Plus, he also did uh, the single "Automatic Man," which is, if yes. you're not if you're not familiar with it, uh, I encourage anyone to look up the video for "Automatic Man" because it's. You know, when people make fun of, like, cheesy, silly, like, ridiculously over-the-top uh, music videos from the 1980s? That's that's that. Like, it's just the quintessentially, like, this is just hideously performed, so stupid and all over the place. But it's marvelous, and it's uh, just cluelessness as, as to how silly it all is. Uh, but... The, but yeah, I just, as soon as his name came up, I was like, I need to get in to talk about Mike Sundell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, um, you know, I I, th- I
0: think it's kind of interesting because you know he he ended up kind of you know being on the the set, like the soundtrack for Flashdance won a Grammy mm. um, for best album of score music written for motion picture or television special. <laughs> I love those Grammy categories; so very specific. Um, so it's kind of weird that like you know he's also on this album which obviously won a Grammy um and this is like kind of the only real co-writing credit he has with um you know with uh, Stevie Wonder is just for this song um which opens with this kind
1: of um fanfare <laughs> I guess you could call it a, a, um I think when we were talking about uh, when we talked about Evil and you're talking about the, the, the Tonto and like saying like, yeah. oh, you know, it's, it's such a specific sound, it's a very 70s kind of like you know, it, it's only of that era like even nowadays when yeah. people try to replicate the sound of those type of synthesizers, it doesn't sound quite like that, but the, no. th- this also had a very uh, that, that fanfare and the fact that it's, it's backed with similar synthesizers, I don't want to say it's going to be the Tonto as well, but um, Oh no, he'd abandoned the
0: Tonto by this point I think it's the Yamaha GX-1
1: Okay, but it's just, that has such a specific sound, but like it really sounds like a, weirdly, like like a British sci-fi or children's show or something. Yeah. It's like if you told me this was, like, the backing music for, like, Banana Man or, like, an episode of Doctor Who, like, from back in, like, the Peter Davidson era or something, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I buy that, yeah. Yeah, it did. I I tell you what, it kind
0: of reminded me a little bit of music that would be put on a dubbed cartoon, such as like Ulysses 31. Um, (laughs) Like, that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of like something floating in space, and there's this kind of just this weird kind of like fanfare thing Mm. as it kind of comes into camera. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah,
1: and that's like, Um, that's not a knock either. It's like, oh, I love
0: that type of music. Oh, no. I (laughs) was happy to hear it. Yeah, no. Like I, it's a, it's like a very specific sound, but it's like kind of, it's really, it's really weird because it feels very appropriate for like the subject matter of the song. Um, although I feel like saying that you know you're moving to Saturn where people live for like a hundred years or whatever, <laughs> um, it I, I it, like it, it's weird because it it feels like Stevie Wonder is kind of talking about a certain kind of utopia, mm. um, and like it's not really Saturn. Saturn is just kind of like a thing that he's kind of talking about. Um, you know, like as if he could live on Saturn, but obviously he can't live on Saturn because it's a gas giant and you just <laughs> fall for millions of miles. Oh, um, you never but, know. Stevie, uh,
1: Stevie himself could be an alien who is a form of gas and well, inhabiting a human form. You never know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just kind of, I like I like that he's kind of just decided that Saturn is this idea and he's going to kind of talk about you know, how he's packing his bags to a place where the air is clean, which is kind of funny because obviously I think Saturn's atmosphere is fairly toxic. (laughs) Um, But I still kind of just like that it's, he's obviously not literally talking about Saturn, but he's just talking about this idea of a place where, um, you know, people like we don't fight our wars and, you know, there's no, there's no sense in doing crimes. Like it feels like he's just talking about a utopia. Mm. Um, But Again, it feels like there's maybe a little bit of an undercurrent of, um, you know, kind of uh, kind of social commentary and maybe the idea of like the the kind of the we in this particular case is maybe not all of America. Like maybe there's a specific group of people that Stevie wants to take to this place that is a utopia. Um, and I have a feeling that he's kind of thinking about kind of the plight of African-Americans in America in the 70s and maybe thinking about this idea of like you know maybe there's a place where we should be going that is not this planet and is not America that will probably be more beneficial for us Mm. and I like kind of what he's describing you know and and we have this kind of contrast where he's saying you know there's um you know there's no principles in what you say there's no direction in the things you do you know your world is soon to come to a close which uh, feels like um, truer than ever i think at this point (laughs) um and then of course he says through all the ages all great men have taught truth and happiness just can't be bought or sold tell me why are your people so cold again it feels like he's directing that at a very specific group of people
1: yeah (laughs) and
0: Mm. You know, then he kind of, in the chorus, he keeps saying, I'm going back to Saturn where all the rings glow. And I mean, it gets a little bit kind of like new agey. But I still just love the idea of kind of Stevie Wonder and Mike Cimbello, of course co-writer of the song, uh, coming up with this idea of, like, there's a better place for people to go to, and Stevie Wonder is the one that's going to kind of take them there. Yeah. Um, You know. And also, like, this kind of, uh, the whole thing of, like, you know, people live to be 205 and, (laughs) you know, people smile, they don't need cars because we've learned to fly. I don't know, it just... uh, At times, it's kind of weird that it turns into this weird, like, little science fiction fantasy Mm. thing, but I still kind of love it that, like...
1: (laughs) Some... You know... At some moments, it feels like the, the spiritual predecessor to, like, year 3000 by Busted or something. <laughs> like, it's the same. <laughs> I was like, Stevie, do you realize what, what that is? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think one. I mean, obviously, "Busted" were terrible, but one of my favorite <laughs> things about that song is somebody kind of did an accurate assessment of how many generations it would actually take. Uh, because obviously, he says your great 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 granddaughter. Yeah. And they basically just kept saying the word "great" for about two minutes before they said <laughs> "granddaughter," and they just kind of <laughs> added that into the song and just did a mix of it where it was like, "This is the accurate amount of generations." Was uh-huh. it the same people who out, did you
1: know. the? Was it, was it Katie Malua that the the. Either- nine million bicycles in Beijing songs. Yeah. And someone yeah, like came no, out and corrected sh- her and she had to like sing a proper version of like, okay, so this is the yeah, no, one.
0: they. Yeah, no, the, somebody did correct her on the amount of bicycles and then she did kind of do a number accurate version of the song, which kind of be, was based on the, the kind of current mathematics of how many bicycles there were. <laughs> I thought was also other stuff there was too, it was like other... calculations of like yeah. how to
1: get to the moon and all this sort of stuff worked out as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of other kind of calculations in that song that somebody corrected and she did like a mathematically correct version of that song, which I thought was a, a kind of charming move for her to do. Oh, no, that's um, fair play. She could can, she can take the yeah. joke. Whereas in, in this case, somebody just took Busted and they just took the words great, great, great and just kept repeating them over and over again <laughs> until they eventually reached the amount of generations that you would to actually be a thousand years in the future. Um but yeah, and that song always kind of reminded me of the the play that Joey does in season two of Friends. I think it is, and at the end, it turns into this weird thing where oh, Joey yeah. goes and returns <laughs> to space, and he says, "You know, I, you know, you'll you'll be dead, but you know, your your great 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 granddaughter will be alive, and you know, tell her that you know, <laughs> you I tell her to look me up." Yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of, yeah. So I I kind of like that. That kind of made me think of that as well. But I just love this idea that you know. Stevie is contrasting, you know, how many times before have you, you know, to find a strategy to peace is war, you know, killing helpless men, women, and children that don't even
1: know what they're dying for. Again, this feels like something that could apply to today. Well, um, there, was, there was an element in, in me, though, like, despite, like, oh, all, you know, there's political commentary and whatnot, but, like, I've seen enough uh, weird... I've been on the, the weird side of the internet enough to be, like, to see all the... You know, like, the Paul McCartney is a is a changeling conspiracy videos and stuff I was like I wonder if Stevie's confessing yeah. or something maybe he is from Saturn maybe that's what he's talking about I was even looking <laughs> up like in Men in Black when they show all those alien celebrities was Stevie Wonder one of them maybe he's maybe he's trying to get the word out that like oh, Stevie's like he can he can literally take you to Saturn and, <laughs> yeah. but you think it's a gas giant but it's like oh that's only the surface once you get inside oh the air is beautiful and you live, you live to 205 and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah um, I, like I mean, little, I, yeah. little Stevie Wonder was actually seventy-five years old in Saturn years when, <laughs> when he made his first album.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting actually to see how many years Saturn has gone around the sun while Stevie Wonder has been alive. Um, and. Kind of think about where his age is, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, I kind of love the the kind of almost nonsense lyrics of like rainbow, moonbeams, and orange snow. It's like mm. okay, Stevie, uh, you know.
1: That's it's kind of, and, and, if, you, if you want to go into like all oh, Beatles influence, was like, well, they went through a period of, <laughs> of nonsensical jargon been thrown into their lyrics, but. Uh... They were doing it for very obvious reasons, whereas Stevie, I don't know if he was a big guy for psychedelics.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. He was very anti-drug. Oh, well, yeah, so probably not. (laughs) There's at least three songs during this period that he made that were very much about not doing drugs, um, including one that's called Too High. So... Um, yeah, but I don't know. I just I'm, I'm always a fan of people just kind of going off on Flights of Fancy. And I, you know, I love the kind of instrumentation that's on this song anyway. Um, I think, you know, something that was kind of really helped songs in the key of life was the fact that Stevie was willing to kind of have a band. Um, and so, you know, there are kind of a lot of people that feature on, you know, these songs um in some cases that band consisted of like George Benson or Herbie Hancock or you know like so he was willing to kind of bring famous people in but for the most part like he had a kind of a group of people that were kind of on a number of the different songs And I think that really helped kind of give this album, uh, you know, a kind of a unifying sound. Mm. Um, And I I also like the fact that he added guitars more as a kind of regular instrument, not just kind of the occasional session musician, but kind of actually having a guitarist who, you know, like Mike Sembello plays on, I don't know, at least half the songs on this album. So it feels like there is a kind of consistency um, from song to song, and it's not just kind of you know, bringing Jeff Beck in for one song and having him sing, you know, do the kind of guitar. It's it's actually having, you know, a kind of uh, a kind of texture where it's like, oh, so these, you know, this is what the guitar sound of this album is, um, yeah. you know. And, and so I, I kind of, I really like what they bring to this the, to kind of this particular song. Obviously, most of the album, you know, most of this kind of song is a little bit nonsense, but, like, I do like some of the political commentary that he throws in there, you know, like the, basically the kind of, you're still, I mean... It, There's a certain level of irony in that, you know, the Vietnam War was over and Jimmy Carter is, I think, in the last century, the only United States president not to have started a war. So (laughs) Stevie is actually singing this song at a time when Jimmy Carter is um, president. I think he'd been sworn in by this point. Uh, No, I lie. He would be sworn in in a few months' time. Um, So effectively, he's, he's kind of preaching this thing of like, you know, we don't want any more wars. And uh, Jimmy Carter agreed, and he didn't start any wars for four years. <laughs> so uh, the message got through. Uh, much like Nixon resigning after Stevie released, you know, a couple of harsh songs about him, uh, Jimmy Carter was like, okay, Stevie, let's not start any wars for the next few years. Oh, man. Um,
1: Must have been you know. rough on Nixon, like you because know, he, he's clearly the bigger Stevie Wonder fan, but he's getting dissed by him. And yeah. then like, Jimmy Carter, yeah. he wasn't even really into Stevie. Like, that was the thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah he was more into you know hank williams or whatever and, <laughs> it's like you, you know, don't even so... appreciate him as much as i do <laughs> <Jimmy>. <laughs> yeah um so i don't know i i think i think obviously the, you know the, the selling point of this song is really kind of stevie's voice um and i you know it, it, like i say like I, I enjoy the kind of texture of this album and the kind of the, the, these kind of recurring musicians and obviously you know songs in the key of life is generally regarded as one of the best albums of all time yeah. um so you know I, I i don't think i'm kind of uh breaking any news to people you know that obviously you know i mean it was number 57 on rolling stone's list of you know 500 greatest albums you know it's in the national recording registry at the library of congress um like yeah i feel like everyone kind of agrees it's a great album um and i think that this ep is like a a nice little kind of coda to the whole thing uh in particular because i don't think the album should finish with another star which is (laughs) such a kind of weird kind of disco thing i like Stevie had basically spent most of these albums avoiding following any trends, and then all of a sudden he just throws out there like a nine minute disco song, and I'm like <laughs> i like it's so weird,
1: um, so this is kind of nice It's like, fit- like the record company is like. Just just have something to cover your back, <laughs> just in case. It's like, people oh, aren't buying it, release the disco single.
0: Stevie had so much creative control that they could not tell him what to do on any of these albums. Like, um, you know, his, his contract included a clause where if anyone bought Motown, they had to ask Stevie Wonder if they were allowed to buy it first. <laughs> um, so I don't think anyone's telling him to do a disco song. I think he just kind of was interested in that genre and, and, you know, just came to it just a tiny bit too late, I mm. guess. I mean, saying that, it was 76, so Disco wouldn't really be dead until the following year. So he was just a tiny bit late on the whole thing. But at the same time, I think this is kind of nice to follow. Like, if you listen to that and then you listen to Saturn Straight after, it's kind of a like it, you've got this kind of disco fade out and then it kind of has this fanfare right after it. And it's a nice little kind of contrast. But yeah, I don't know, five out of five. It's a great song. I mean... Mm you know it, it it's one of those things where like the kind of the lyrical content for the v- choruses is doesn't really make a great deal of sense but there is a bit of political commentary in the verses that I'm like okay I can understand what he's saying you know like um you know he's he's basically tr- trying to kind of have this idyllic place to go um and you know I feel like again it, it it's maybe kind of expressing the fact that Stevie is thinking about you know, kind of black people in America. Obviously, he's in a privileged position at this point. He's literally a multimillionaire, um, you know, who kind of isn't subject to other any rules. You know, he, he can do whatever he wants. But he's always been someone who's kind of, you know, had this kind of commentary on, you know, where he came from. And, you know, he came from, you know, a poor household Um, you know he had a number of siblings you know there were a number of christmases where he had no presents and you know like Mm. so he's had this hard background so i think he understands the struggle and i think even at this point when he is you know a millionaire he's still kind of thinking of like maybe we need to find this place where we can go where you know people are you know better off where they get to live to 205 and you know they don't need cars because everyone's learned to fly you know and i love that he goes to live to us is our natural high and you're like okay stevie i get it you're anti-drugs you know let's (laughs) let's not you know let's not push the natural high thing a little too much but i still kind of understand you know like that he's he's kind of picturing this utopia and it's it's kind of a it's a very appealing idea if stevie was like let's go to saturn i'd be like okay stevie you know let's (laughs) if you're telling me there's orange snow and we all get to fly and there's moonbeams then i'm there you know Uh, and i think i think that's kind of his his kind of the, the kind of strength of his voice and everything and the performance is what really sells it, where
1: you're just like, you know, say where we're going, Stevie, and let's go there. Yeah, I think I would, I would concur. I would give it like a four out of five. Like, I don't think it's like a, 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 you know, astounding or anything, but I, I do love that. I love that seventy synth sound, and it, it's there in spades in this. And like again, Stevie, just, you know, I don't think I've ever heard a bad you Know Stevie Wonder vocal performance, so it's kind of like, well, that's a given that he's gonna be in top form, but I do appreciate just like anyone trying to do like a little bit of um, like what you refer to as like a flight of fancy, but also trying to tie it into something much more serious and stuff. But uh, and so yeah, I would say like, yeah, rock, rock solid song, like uh, yeah, so I'll give it a good four out of five myself.
0: Um, well, you know, I've still got three more tracks and then we will be finished with the EP. Um so uh I don't know, I like Songs of the Key of Life is such a big album, you know, of this particular project it's making up a third of the tracks. So that shows you how much Stevie did, you know, like he did so many tracks in the first few albums and then a third of this output is basically on this album. Um, you know, and like I say, it's kind of almost a given how great the album is, but I you know, there are some tracks on here that I think are maybe not five out of five, but I, I still think this is like a solid start to this little EP, mm. um, you know. And I think as well, uh, you know, as a as obviously, you know, the whole point of double albums at the time certainly was they were fairly expensive. So I'm guessing Stevie was like, look, you know, you're already paying for two albums but just have a bonus ep on me <laughs> you know like <laughs> i've i've got these four extra songs rather than me stick them out as b sides just have them now don't wait for the singles you know just go ahead and just have yourself four extra songs and i kind of like that about stevie as well you know like um you know as a double album it's kind of amazing but then he just throws out this little ep which you know there are some people out there who basically these four songs could be their entire career and they could still be doing like nostalgia tours based off having you know a couple of hits Based on these songs, but for Stevie Wonder, it's just like, oh, I've done the album, have another four songs. So, um, you know, also it means we don't finish on the disco, which is, you know, <laughs> like that's that's the best thing about this EP.
1: So then, let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug now? Oh yeah, uh, I am one of the hosts of Bat Minute, which is a podcast uh, where we look at each minute of the Batman films from 1989 up to and including 1997, and possibly even beyond. We'll see when we get there. Uh, one minutes at a time. Um, uh, we've covered all of the first movie and Batman Returns, and at this point we should be airing Batman Forever. Uh, it's a lot of fun show, we got a lot of guests, and we go on random flights of fancy ourselves quite often. Uh, Darren here is featured in uh, quite a few episodes, well not quite a few, like a couple, <laughs> but I've been on tons or anything, but you've been on. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. So if anyone should be interested in that. Uh, we try to have a pretty good time over there. So uh, come on over. And
0: you can find us for this project for a few more episodes on Twitter at SteviebyWonder. Uh, thanks for being my guest here today, Neil. Oh, anytime, Dan. And otherwise, goodbye.